welcome to the Universal Sisterhood podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman that she was designed to be. Every human heart is created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their stories. Welcome to episode 38. In today's episode, I chat with Sarah Fidelaires. She is a wife, a mother, to five almost. She's due any day now. Um, she's a chiropractor and she's a writer. She's got two books um, waiting to be published. And I wanted to sit down and chat with her to uh, pick her brains, to see how was she able to pursue her dreams of becoming a writer with lots of little people in her life. Um, we're constantly fed this lie that pursuing our dreams is at odds with having a family. And um, I wanted to kind of challenge that narrative to show that women can pursue their dreams and they can have children. We just need to find that balance. It's not either or, it's a both and. Um, It's not denying that it's not going to be hard and come with its challenges, but it is so possible. So please enjoy this episode, share it with a friend and have a listen. Thanks. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, thanks. Jess, how are you? Yeah, I'm well. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So before we dive into the conversation, I would love our listeners to know a little bit of a backstory about you. So could you share who you are and what life looks like for you at the moment? Well, I'm a mum, mum of five kids and a writer, and I've just finished writing my first novel and I've got that out on submission hanging out on publishers desks at the moment um and I'm working on my second novel and raising my family essentially (laughs) that's fantastic that's amazing so you're a wife a mother a chiropractor yes and in my other life I'm a chiropractor (laughs) (laughs) but you still practice don't you I do well in between children so I practice in a very um very light light capacity right yeah Yep. And now you are an accomplished author. I mean, that, there's a lot going on there, more than most people could squeeze into a lifetime. So I'm, <laughs> that, that's why I kind of wanted to talk to you today um, because in the light of, I don't know whether you've heard it, but um, society kind of feeds us this real lie that women have to choose whether they want to be mothers or they pursue their dreams and hopes and it wasn't um more blatantly obvious than in michelle williams's um acceptance speech for she she got an award it wasn't an oscar i don't know what it was maybe it was um academy yeah i'm not i can't remember a golden globe award that's what it was um when she said that she was grateful that she lives in a moment in history where choices exist so that kind of in a nutshell she was saying that she wouldn't have been able to be where she is today because she has been given the right to choose whether when and with whom she um, has a child with 
I mean, we should we should have the right to know who we have a child with, but when is up to God, really. Um, yeah. So I, 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 would, I really want to sit down and nut this out with you because you seem to be able to pursue your dreams and have a robust family. <laughs> um, <Very> so, robust. <laughs> so, tell, so tell me, tell me, how... Um, how, how, like, did you always want a big family? Yes, I always wanted a big family. And that's actually why I went into chiropractic because my very wise chiropractor suggested to me when I was at school that it's a great job for a mum, and mm-hmm. which it is because it's so easy to squeeze around your children. It's one of the few jobs where you actually get a little bit better when you're the mum because the mums want to come, and, like, more desirable, sorry, because the mums want to come and see the mums. Yeah, um, yeah. So you you though, understand their aches and pains, yeah, and you're just sort of doing you know continuing professional development all the time because every time someone throws a rash or falls off something, you're just that little bit better clinically yeah. <laughs> because you've experienced it now. But um, yeah, I actually wrote a blog post about this after my second child. I think how having children has actually allowed me to pursue my dreams. Hmm. And what's, really what's your blog called? My writing. I think it's how motherhood has allowed me to write. Okay, so, but what's your um, blog? blog post. Oh, sorry, um, it's just on my website, sarahfiddlers.com. Okay, yeah, um, and I think oh, as yeah, women, but... we're really blessed that we are given this pause in our professional life hmm. where you can think about other things and, um. I think women are just inherently creative and I'm amazed at what a lot of my friends have done once they've started having children and just got that little bit more mental space. You don't have as much physical time, but I find you've got a lot more mental time. Yeah. Um, In the early years anyway, we're still sort of very early years at the moment. So there's a lot of a lot of time yeah. to think and a lot of time at the laundry bench and a oh, lot of no, times that, that doesn't go away. No, but a lot of time like <laughs> rocking children. They're all, the older ones yeah. start to ask questions cuts into that. A yeah, yeah, bit. yeah. Yeah, true. Um, you have the I, I always um marveled at the fact that um because I breastfed all six of my children, not everyone's able to do that, but you still have to take the time whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, you still have to have that time where you have to you're forced to just sit and be. And just wonder at yeah. things. Like just be immersed in the wonder of a newborn and of the world outside and hopefully not the crushing despair of the state of your laundry, <laughs> yeah. which also happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's I found that. And also just being immersed in that world of children where things are much simpler and much deeper at the same time if that makes sense like that's the way the kids appreciate things and look at things and the things they come out with is all really conducive to fostering a life of creativity I found yeah yeah and that sense of wonder and create creating is, yeah is, is daily that's it and being able to share that with the people you spend all your time with and that they love it so much yeah. Cool. I mean, they get a bit bored of me talking about my book, but they love inventing things and working out stories and, yeah, mm. so that's quite nice. But um, the other so, thing that has been, that motherhood has been so good for is it just 
I mean, it pushes you to your limit and then far beyond it. And it just makes you aware of what you're capable of. And mm. I find that having five children in a lot of ways is much easier. I find it much easier than when I had two because I have been pushed so many times now and I know what I'm capable of and I freak out less and I am just much more efficient at getting things done than I yeah. was well before I had children. Yeah. I, I think also um, having um, a large family teaches you to, like, you're a lot less, you're a lot more resourceful and you're a lot less to, um, well, you don't really have time to, 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 com- to contemplate missing out on things or um, I think wallowing in self-pity. Yeah, which um, I was quite good at about baby number two. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've moved past that now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they said that um, that they'd done some, I think, Gallup poll, that they said that um, mothers with three children or less experience more stress than mothers with um, four or more. I think yeah. because they associate it with lower levels of stress and anxiety of having more children because the, although it does get harder, the jump between children, so, so the jump between one and two, two and three, are big jumps in, in level of your capacity to parent that amount of children. But then once you get past four, the margin decreases in the difficulty between the children. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I found too that I mean I've noticed that inevitably your oldest is a bit older by the time you're at number exactly. four, even if they're not super old. They're still just, old enough; they can still yeah. do things that they couldn't have done two years ago. Yeah, and they grow up a bit quicker in big families. I've noticed, yeah. um, and they just learn to help out because that's yeah. how, that's how the family survives. <laughs> yeah. So, so what you're kind of saying is babies haven't stopped you from pursuing your dreams. They have enabled. I would say they've enabled it and probably even fast tracked it, to be Mm. honest, because I wouldn't have allowed myself the time if I was working because sort of feel like, well, I know writers feel this. I'm not sure if it's the same for all creatives, but it's almost something a little bit to be ashamed about because, you know, I can't really call myself a writer. That's something that proper writing people do but I really like yeah, writing. full-time really, writers yeah. yeah you know fancy artsy Melbourne people who wear black and <laughs> mm. live in beautiful houses mm. and with and polished very... floors and white couches and lots of succulents yeah that's it <laughs> and um very moody and <laughs> and deep yeah. and read Sylvia Plath <laughs> and read and drink red wine that's well, I it. do that. Oh, I'm <laughs> hanging out to do that again. <laughs> the last, uh, I'm in the last stages of pregnancy. Oh, so, congratulations! Um, and I always think, you know, as soon as that baby hits the ground, I'm going to be hitting the bottle. But it usually <laughs> takes me about six months to want it again. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. We always think we're going to have a great champagne party the day the baby's born, and we're all too tired. <laughs> I just don't feel like it. Oh, force yourself. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can get you through. 
Um, yeah, so it's always a little bit, there's something to be quite self-conscious about, I find. And when you've got another sensible adult, like proper job, it's it's just like the secret little hobby in the background. But I found mm. when I had kids, I was like, well, I don't have, you know, I've got, with the first one, I had a really beautiful first baby. It was just so easy. I was like, well, I've got this job, but that's kind of not taking up as much time as I thought it would. Mm. can't go back to work. What do I do? I was like, well, maybe I should be a bit more serious and a bit more disciplined about getting this book, which I'd been dilly-dallying over since I finished uni, get it finished. Why I have this six to 12 month window where there is nothing else occupying that mental space in my brain, that creative mental space. Hmm. Um, I was like, yeah, why not? I've got nothing to lose. No one is not going to affect anyone negatively if this all goes yeah pear shaped and if I hate it then that's fine. No one has to, no one has to know about it. <laughs> that's it. So um I wouldn't I wouldn't have um taken that approach till much later, I don't think, if it weren't for children and if it weren't for just having that pause in professional life. I don't think I'd have given myself the permission to do it otherwise. Hmm. So have have you seen have you seen women in your life do that is that what um spurred you on were there people that encouraged you or were there Um, women that kind of um spoke life into that that possibility yeah I noticed a lot of my girlfriends who are all having kids like some of them were starting companies where they were sewing kids clothes because they were doing it for their kids anyway um and I was just really amazed at the creativity that flourished among the girls I'd gone to school with and you knew with once they started having children I think again allow themselves to just get in touch with being a creative woman but also that's part of motherhood that you kind of it is a creative job you've got to come up with stuff out of nothing sometimes yeah um, all the time <laughs> yeah um so that's it's so perfect true. I didn't, environment I didn't for it. it yeah I've got a lot of friends that started you know um, Instagram businesses or Etsy businesses and um, I, one of my good friends who doesn't have children has just done the same thing but as I said it took her a lot longer to give herself the permission to do it mm. um, and she's a baker and she makes the most fabulous baked goods Aww. and um, so she's just started that as well but um, yeah I found too that once I got brave enough to say, to set myself up with an online profile as a writer, that there were a lot of women who came to me and said, we're kind of secretly writing too. (laughs) And having that online community where people do support each other and, you know, most of them have children and so talking about how they fit it in around their children was really helpful because, I did have this expectation that I would have to sit down for an hour at a time and write, otherwise it's not going to work out. But one of the most valuable pieces of advice I got was um, you've just got to fit it in in the cracks in your day. And if you've got 10 minutes here where you're waiting to pick your kids up from school or if you've got 15 minutes here where you're kind of hanging by the stove waiting for you know, the next step in the boil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's 15 minutes you can spend writing. And because you're kind of always percolating the story in your head during the day, um, once you get into the habit of doing that, it's um, 
it's not as horrible as I thought it would be. Like I thought the writing would just be so patchy and piecemeal. Mm. But the good thing about it is you kind of have to just get over yourself and just write because you're like, right, I've got 15 minutes and I've got to get as many words down as I can. So, so would you just write ideas or, or is the story going – so is the story progressing? Usually or... I'm working on a story that's going forward. So Okay. Um, originally I just wrote like I had this story idea in my head and I was like, hey, chapter one, and just wrote. And it was this enormous Frankenstein monster of a thing by the time I finished it. <laughs> and that's called pantsing, just writing by the city of your pants. So I've since become a plot of it. It's such a nightmare. <laughs> that became my first book, but it's not really recognisable as my first book. Uh-huh. So it, um, it never got to the um, publisher? No, no. But um, it's been severely reworked and... Um, it what grew out of that was my first book which is now hanging out with publishers Fantastic. yeah but it's amazing actually how well you can write when you just have that time pressure but you don't have the mental pressure of these words have to be really meaningful and I can't write that that's too cliched and you can't try and be too clever because you've only got 15 minutes and half an hour on the past so you just write and um another thing I found really helpful is just when I am doing things during the day is listening to podcasts or um immersing myself in stuff that's going to foster the right sort of creativity when I have the time yeah wow to put it down it's amazing what comes out of that which has been really cool I've been listening to a lot of podcasts on um Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and how they integrated their Christianity into their writing but in a really subtle way, which is um, something that, yeah, I find really interesting. So, Do you think women um, are starting to be braver in facing, like with the online social, you know, online communities and things like that, they're braver to voice their isolation and fear of um, pursuing their dreams because it's, it's more private? Like online, I'm, I'm talking about, they can kind of, they've found a, a safe space, I suppose, to um, pursue their dreams. Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, it's the blessing and the curse of social media where I think if you find the right group, it can be an amazing tool. Mm-hmm. If you don't, it can be so destructive. I am... Um, witnessed that with there was a group of online Australian women writers and it was it was the most unhappy place I've ever experienced online someone added me to this group and I wasn't quite sure what it was and it was just a lot of women really struggling with that work-life balance but not getting the support they needed from the group it just kind of turned into a bit of husband bashing and you know anger and it yeah, was yeah, yeah. So it was a place of vent- a dest- venting. Yeah, it was such a destructive group where I've um, – so I got out of that. <laughs> and um, there are other groups where um, – well, I mean, like your group, Jess, Blessed Is She, where there are women who are finding, you know, just going through life and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's great, but just finding great counsel from women who have been before them who, you know, maybe a few kids further down the line in their family size or – and just such incredible wisdom from these women. And it's 
it's amazing the difference that sort of thing makes. Mm-hmm. I, I know for me, um, stumbling across these women who are kind of in maybe five years ahead of me, 15 years ahead of me or 10 years behind me, that you can still learn from each other, relate to each other and encourage each other. And it's just made the world of difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and following really um, amazing people on Instagram or Facebook to see that um, they can do it. Like I, there's, there's, I don't know whether you've watched or seen Christy, Kristen Riley. She's one Hail Mary at a time. She's a full-time banker and has seven children. She's incredible. And she, and she credits it to getting up very early every morning and saying the rosary. Yeah. Um, and fitting in exercise in between. I mean, she has a very supportive husband and she outsources. And there's no shame in outsourcing. Um, and each family is different. But learning not to compare but to know that you can do it. Th- these children are not going to stifle your dreams. Um, Lisa Canning, I, do you know her? She's the Possibility Mum. She's just written a book called The Possibility Mum. No, I haven't uh, heard of her. She's just had her eighth. I mean, these women are young. They're not my age they're not 42 they're like 36 (laughs) (laughs) um jennifer fullwaller have have you yes uh, just started reading her book uh which one the one beautiful dream oh that's so funny that's such a great (laughs) are you finding it funny yeah (laughs) i follow her on instagram um yeah she's a comedian she she hosts a radio station she's an author i think she's written three books Two or three? I can't remember. Yeah, um, but she, she's got six children. Like these women are in 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 worldly standards are accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's so refreshing to see that they can do it. I mean, they can do it all. It's not without its challenges. I mean, we have to be realistic. But it's the dreams that. Um, you want are still pursuable. They're still attainable. And I think we have to keep um, feeding that to women. They need to, the narrative has to be changed from it's one or the other. It's either you have children or you pursue your career where I think, or your dreams or your hopes. I think we need to um, be really um, strong in saying that you can have both. It's not a, one or the other it's both and and I think to um what you touched on with um you know the lady who gets up and says the rosary every morning Hmm. um that's something that has more children have come along that I've really just like the power of prayer we all grow up with it we're like yeah 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 (laughs) you say your prayers in the morning you say the rosary as a family and that's a little bit stressful when the family's very young but um, that's something I've only really just coming to appreciate in the last few years of just the difference that makes mm. in your life and literally the power it gives you to um, not so much control your life but live it acceptingly the way it's supposed to and how much more is possible mm. when you just let go and I c- couldn't live agree more as yeah. God wants you to live and then the the fruits that come out of your life from that are just amazing. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I, I've, I'm a cradle Catholic and I pray. I've prayed my whole life, but it hasn't 
there are seasons in my life where it's been more intentional and there are seasons where it's been less intentional. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the discipline of getting up early before the kids get up or before there's a distraction or when it's quiet, the, what I get from that is so much more than what I could get for, you know, sleeping that extra half an hour. Yeah. Absolutely. Where I fool myself, even this morning, I fooled myself into thinking, no, actually, it's raining, it's cold. I've been up, I didn't fall asleep till one thirty last night. I think I'll just sleep in. Well, really, what's that half an hour really going to do for me? Not much. <laughs> actually, nothing. <laughs> as soon as you've had that thought, someone comes and crawls in bed with you. <laughs> I know. And you think, oh, there it goes. And, and, and that actually did happen. My son got in bed with me about 10 minutes later and wiggled for the next 20 minutes. And I thought, <laughs> I should have gone up. Yeah. My morning would have gone much more productively because I, I, I would have ordered my thoughts and my desires and my emotions for the rest of the day and that you can't put a price on no <laughs> no, no amount of sleep is going to um order order that or fix no. that one um one author who I found who's really just made that clear to me and also um made I guess the feminine vocation really clear and a bit more accessible to me is um Carrie Gress. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm Beautiful. just devouring all her writings at the moment. I'm reading um Alt- The Ultimate Makeover, which mm-hmm. is um a book on motherhood and it's just so beautiful. I haven't read that one. Yeah. That, I've read a few. Um, I'll pick one of her earlier ones. But yeah, she's also got the Marian option and yeah. and the toxic femininity. Yeah, which is where I first heard of her and that was just Yeah. That was, that was a nice one because you're sort of nodding away. Yeah. It's nice to hear someone say this out loud. I, I know. It was a little <laughs> bit full on the first half of the book, but read, uh, listeners, you have to, you've got to keep going. You've got to finish it because it, it gives you hope. The first half you think, ah. <laughs> I would probably read that first and then the Marion option oh, really? well, <laughs> afterwards as a pick-me-up because okay. I think um, Toxic Femininity came out of her research for the Marion option. Uh-huh. And um, the idea that there is an anti-Mary at work yeah. in the world. Yeah, it's. I found it really interesting. It's an interesting way to think about um, a part of the culture that is supposedly pro-woman but actually very anti-woman and is so frustrating and angering at times. It's a nicer way, well, not nice, it's probably not the right word, but it's a more helpful way to think about it in terms of the spiritual battle and what you can yeah. do for women who don't, see it along those lines rather and than it just points being it out so clearly yeah yeah um yeah it's amazing highly recommend those books <laughs> yeah she's no. a very gifted writer mm. yeah and also um is it colleen campbell oh no what's her name i'm reading it at the moment my sister's the saints oh. is it my sister's the saints um, Carol Colleen Campbell. Oh yes. Or, or is it? Yeah, Ca- <laughs> yeah no, I Colleen know. Carol <laughs> Campbell. I can't remember. It's out on the dining table. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. But her books are amazing as well. Um, and Edith Stein's getting quite the renaissance at the moment. I think she's probably 
the woman for our times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's who... Sister um, um, uh, Saint Benedicta of the Cross. Cross. Yeah. Colleen Carroll Campbell, that's her. Yeah. Her book is amazing. She was a speechwriter for um, the president. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. She, that was her dream, you know, and she left to become, to get married and become a mother and she, there was that tension of what will people think of me? Are they thinking I'm going to, I'm forsaking my, my ambition and my dream to become a mother? Like it, it, it's, a, it's a great read, really, really good read. Yeah, all right. I, I highly recommend. One. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what, what, what advice could you give young girls, young mothers, young women who um, want to pursue their dreams, um, uh, want to have a family, want to, you know, it's not, it's not. I suppose it's not a a matter of having it all, but it's a matter of. Um, ordering or probably being open to it all yeah yeah I would say probably the first advice is just don't try and control it it will happen it'll happen the way it's meant to happen it'll happen so much better if you can get yourself out of the way of the process yeah and just um, let it happen according to God's plan because that is ultimately going to work out better than anything we can you know, try and force ourselves, but also, um, yeah, I would say that finding your group of women who will support you and also hold your hands when it's all going to pot. I've got a few friends that I just message, you know, when you're walking on the toilet disaster or, <laughs> or <laughs> there's three different life-threatening accidents happening at the same time and just someone that you can message straight away and laugh about it with and who will also pick you back up and mm. um, do that. But also having creative women around you who also respect your role as a mother rather than denigrate it, I find, is really yeah. helpful. Yeah. And always having some that, that positive, that encouragement, that somebody who understands where you're coming from and, and doesn't see where you you are is being you, you're robbing yourself of your opportunities by having this family yeah yeah which um to be honest I haven't ever had much negative feedback from having a large family I mostly get women who are a little bit envious well that's, that, that's positive yeah not, that, not not the envy but the fact that you haven't had negative comments yeah, well, I think it's a bit sad because people don't realise that this is something that is actually attainable, not the most difficult thing to do. Like, there, like I said, I found too much harder. <laughs> there are things that are much harder than having a large family and it's probably having no family or mm. um, not, or, yeah, not being able to do what you had hoped to do because you were too busy thinking it wasn't possible yeah so um and I I think also that um when you are adaptable avenues open up and you realize that what you once hoped for and wanted really um what you ended up with was far greater and far better and it's not as good as what was waiting for you (laughs) yeah much more rewarding yep 
than what you had um, visualised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Before we leave this topic, I want, I want to talk about, um, not this topic, before we end the podcast, I want to talk about your book, what it's called, where we can find it, um, and give us a little, a brief synopsis. Uh, okay, so um, this is a project that I'm working on with three other authors and these are girls that I all met at um, the Romance Writers of Australia conference and we've all finished our first novels and we've got them sitting on publishers' desks and the way the publishing industry works is you send them a manuscript and then you may or may not hear anything back over the next six months and if you don't, it's a no, but you might possibly get a yes in five months' time. <laughs> Wow, so it's just you have to wait a, a good six months. Yeah, three months is usually the like if you haven't heard by three months, it's probably a no. But um, six months is sort of the final line. So it's yeah, it's a, quite a dispiriting process. Yeah. Um, so, so you live your life in six month increments. Basically. Yeah. Well, I've just I just tried to forget about it and write the second novel but um <laughs> and I suppose that's the beauty of having kids too you're so distracted that you the six months flies by that's it there's only so much <laughs> or you've forgotten that you've been it. rejected yeah <laughs> that's it and then re- resubmitted <laughs> um but so we decided that we would distract ourselves by bringing out um an easter anthology so a book that's a collection of novellas which are short novels not quite short stories but um uh-huh. shorter novels and so we've all and we because we all write historical fiction with that undercurrent of a romantic subplot in it and are all these other authors are they all mums did yes. you meet yeah yes, I, I, we're all mums met so, online or did you meet are you um, from the same kind of neighborhood or no so we're all members group? of romance writers australia mm-hmm. which is how we met um, two of us were from Melbourne, and so we met in a a writers group. Yep. And the other two we met at the conference. And historical romance for the romance romance is a very um, strict genre, and it's the best selling genre. But we probably don't count as romance writers. We're probably what's called romantic elements. So there, there's a much smaller group of the historical romantic elements writers within the organization so we kind of all found each other that way Mm -hmm. and um we all tend to write oh what's it called modern historicals which I think is 20th century um so we decided we'll bring out an anthology we'll all write a story each for this book and we'll bring out a book and we'll practice bringing out a book and see see if we can do it and it's been a lot of fun so there's four stories. Mine's set in 1912, which is, and it's called, the book is called Easter Promises. And so they've all got a Easter theme around them. Um, mm-hmm. Mine's about a girl who's on the verge of her debut, her society debut. She's from a very wealthy family. And the man she's in love with that she's known since she was a child has just found out an awful secret about his family and is planning on turning his back on society. And so she's got to decide well, do I pursue this wonderful society career and, you know, the eventual marriage and life that I had planned or do I turn my back on all that to be with the man I love? Mm. And then um, Nancy's story, Nancy Cunningham, has written a love such story. An author, uh, such an author's name, yes. Nancy Cunningham. <laughs> She's um, written a story set on the song 
during the Battle oh, yeah. of the Somme and um, it's a beautiful story of an Irish nurse who's very good at what she does, um, struggling with her allegiance to the British Army after the Easter Rebellion, I think it's called, the uprising in Dublin in mm-hmm. 1916 and also happening to fall in love with a very handsome, very rugged Australian soldier. Oh. <laughs> and then um, Ava January's story is this fabulous flight into the French Alps where there's a whole bunch, it's in the 1920s, there's a whole bunch of very wealthy glittering guests at this chalet at the top of the French Alps for the weekend and they get cut off to a snowstorm and there's a jewel theft that happens. Oh, wow. And then... And that's an Easter weekend, is it? Um, no, but it's the it's a Fabergé egg, I think. Oh, okay, okay. It's yep. the jewel in question. Yeah. And um, then... Uh, Claire Griffin, her story is the final story in the anthology and it's set in 1943 in America and it's about Hollywood starlet Rosamund Winter who wants to get out of her Hollywood contract and um, go and join the WASPs, the female pilots, yeah, yeah. during the war. And um, there, was very, there were very strict guidelines for those women. There could not be a breath of scandal attached to them. So she breaks the rules and falls in love. Ah, and She has a bit more scandal than a breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so um, she's due to um, meet um, her lover at the Easter show. And, wow. Yeah. I, I, I would like to read all four of them. So where can we find it? So it's available at the moment for pre-order. It comes out on Holy Thursday. So everyone can enjoy it over the Easter long weekend. Um, right. It's available for pre-order as an ebook at the moment on Amazon. And once we've finalised the formatting, it will be available as a paperback through Booktopia, um, on and Amazon and online retails. And we'll probably have it in a few bookshops local to us. So we're all in four different states. But online is probably your best bet. Fantastic. And what's it called? Easter Promises. Easter Promises. Okay. I'll put it all in the show notes. I hope that goes really well for you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have a name for the other novel that you have sitting on? Um, Oh, my other novel um, is called Where the Lost Boys Go. And it's actually, it actually became the story of two Irish monsignors in the Vatican, which was not my plan. Oh. <laughs> it's supposed to be this rollicking, you know, jaunty adventure love story, which I think it kind of is. But um, I was, it's set in Rome in during and then just after the Second World War. And mm. I kept coming across um, the Irish monsignor O'Flaherty Hugh O'Flaherty, mm. who I don't know, probably a lot of people have seen the movie The Scarlet and the Black with Gregory yeah. Peck. Yeah. So that's, um, he's an Irishman senior who got a lot of the Allied soldiers into hiding during Occupied. Yes, in I loved room. Yeah, I, I love that book. Have you read Robert Harris's Conclave? No. Have a read. He, he, does, he's research, he researches things so well. Um, it's not, I, I don't think it's blasphemous. <laughs> um, Always it's, the concerning. <laughs> when I say something Just... online. Yeah. 
I mean, it's not truth. It's definitely not truth, but it it gives you a good insight into how conclaves um, happen. One that was really interesting in the research, I didn't end up using a lot of it, but it was um, called Secrets of the Vatican, I think, and it was written by a guy, an American, who'd worked for one of the papers for 20 years in the Vatican. And you just read it and it just reminds me of like the politics of a parish council and you just think, yes. how does this even function? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. The games very that go insightful. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For all the dignity and pomp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Still human beings. Exactly, they're all human beings. It's well, other, very um, insightful. One senior I came across was... Um, I think he might have been a Hugh as well, actually. I can't remember his first name. Carol Abbing was his surname anyway, Monsignor Carol Abbing, and he was responsible for starting the boys' towns. I didn't realise they came from Italy. But Mm -hmm. the problem with um, Italy during the Second World War is they were on the side of the Germans and then in 1943 they signed an armistice which said we're now on the side of the Allies but there was no allies there and quite a few Germans. So the Germans were like, well, now you're occupied. <laughs> and the allies had landed in the south of Italy and were moving their way up. So the country was a battlefield um, in a way that France wasn't really because France was mostly just occupied for the mm. um, most of the war. Duration so, of the yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of villages that were just totally destroyed, a lot of people displaced and a lot of children left orphaned. Hmm. That are just, you know, you've got a country that's at the end of the war reeling with the war. Yeah, there's and... a children's book with uh, with a donkey. I can't remember what it was called. Anyway, it touched on that. A lot yeah, of displaced it's... children in Italy. And it's a devastating reality that I hadn't really thought about before. Mm. That there's suddenly you've got a country full of orphans and also quite traumatised orphans. And the girls were usually quite easy to place in the homes of relatives, but the boys are, I mean, you've got sons. <laughs> yeah. Boys are harder to, to um, domesticate, I guess. And so they were less likely to, um, less frequently taken in and all they wouldn't stay. They would just prefer to roam around and sort themselves out. So yeah, there's these they do. bands yeah. of kids roaming the place, causing all sorts. And he started the boys town to let them have that independence, but also let them have a place where they were safe and well looked after. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think what this book is called, but it was it's a beautiful little story. I can't remember. <laughs> I shouldn't even say because I can't remember what it's called. I don't remember <laughs> what it was about, but I just remember it was a lovely story about, yeah, children left in Italy, you know, at the end, during the war, they were orphaned and they had to fend for themselves. yeah. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, so that's what my first book's about. It's about a girl, an Australian girl, who goes to Rome to find her brother who went missing during the war and her family won't talk about it and she doesn't know what's happened to him. And so she's about to get married, sort of a marriage of convenience, and she flies to Italy to see if she can find her brother and bring him home for the wedding. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Well, and is well, that why you're doing all that research on, on costumes, on dress? So oh, you're that looking was, at um, Chanel. Yeah, I know. That's a really fun part of the job. <laughs> <laughs> Dressing these girls for these all the fabulous parties they have to go to. <laughs> I, see, I see you put those, that up on Instagram. Um, yeah. 
Well, it was lovely chatting to you and you give, um, you bring such hope to all these women that have been fed that narrative and that lie that you can't pursue your dreams and have children at the same time, whereas you've, you've blown that myth out of the water with pers- writing, you're onto your second novel. You... Yeah, so I've finished my second novel. I've got to start editing it now. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're on your way and it's amazing <laughs> and you're about to have your fifth child. You're a chiropractor. You're a loving wife, a, an amazing mother, and I just salute you. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Jess, and thank you for your podcast and your group. Oh, and supporting us all. Yeah, well, we all need we all need encouragement, and we all need to know that we're not alone. And yeah. if if our voice can do that for one woman, then we've succeeded. So thank you so much. Good thank luck you. with the book. I'll put everything in the notes and. Um, I know what I'll be reading over the Easter long weekend. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> oh, before I go, what brought you joy this week? Oh, well, <laughs> um, I sent my eldest off to prep this week. Um, which actually brought me a lot of sadness, <laughs> so much more than I realised. But again, it just brought me to a realisation of that whole um how our role of mothers is essentially to make yourself redundant and you have to let them go. And, um, you know, we're lucky that in the 20th century that happens <laughs> incrementally. Mm-hmm. But um, it also just brought me incredible joy coming home thinking, well, I've still got four little toddlers at home. So they all had to put up with extra cuddles and kisses last oh, That's beautiful. <laughs> but I just I thought, how lucky am I to have, you know, so many little people. Yeah. I um well this didn't bring me joy it brought me great sadness but we had that tragedy over the weekend mm. of those three Abdullah children that were killed and the cousin the Saka cousin Veronique um but I mean that was gut wrenching and it still it still brings me to tears but just reading last night um the father Danny is it Abdullah is that how you say their surname I'm not sure to be I, honest I haven't watched the news clip because I'm not brave enough (laughs) oh you should absolutely beautiful the mother I mean her words and the father they just spoke so beautifully it was just pure grace the fact that they could talk like that um but he said something um yesterday I think it was where he said um mothers be mothers and fathers be fathers your children if 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 my children's death has taught you anything it's go home and love them and he said we we um we go to work tired you know if we haven't slept well we still get up and go to work but if we come home and we're tired we say to our kids no I can't play with you I'm tired and you you abandon them like that was such a wake-up call for me because so many times you just want to zone out because you're tired but you still go to work tired and do your job as as whatever you're employed in but your greatest job is to be a parent to those children that you've been given. Yeah. It was so beautiful. Like just simple, simple words that make so much sense. Yeah. Um, and they brought me joy even in their in their um, grief and their suffering. I am, I'm so grateful that they're, they're a voice yeah. of reason. Um, it's amazing. Anyway, that in in an odd way 
brought me so much, not joy, but consolation, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I've read a few words that um, the mother has come out with, but as I said, I haven't been brave enough to mm. watch the video or read the whole article. But mm. yeah, incredible to see the grace at work in their lives. Yes, amazing. Yeah, such such strong faith, and 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 constant fiat that yes to you know to God like He's taken away their children and they still they still praise Him. Yeah, it's it's so beautiful. Incredible. Um, so thank you. Enjoy your your pending birth. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I did think I was going into labour this morning, but obviously not. So. <laughs> Well, that's maybe tomorrow. <laughs> well, I pray that the baby comes because it's it's already a week late, right? No, it'll be a week late on Sunday. So, okay. um, I got at mass. I got father to. There's a consecration for women going into confinement, and I remember the. I don't get it done every time because I forget. But the last time I had, it, I had the most easy, cruisy, quick birth. It was like, oh, quick! Ring him yeah. now. So I said, Father, I'm just letting you know the precedent for this blessing. <laughs> I'm yeah. expecting big things. I got every it was candle mass, so we got every candle we could find in the house blessed. We had like this pile of candles. So the plan wow. is to just let them all burn. Burn. How beautiful. <laughs> Do you have home births? Yes, we've got home births, so it's Oh um, wow. Yeah, it's nice. You really sort of are a super mum. I'm a hippie. <laughs> You're a hippie. We're like conservative hippie. <laughs> I love it. Which is why we love living in the Blue Mountains. It's kind of like where everyone. <laughs> it was but you're not place. here anymore. <laughs> no, I know. And we hate. We had excellent, excellent midwives in the Blue Mountains, and we miss them so much. Uh, um, oh well, you can always come back. It's a great place to write a book. <laughs> it is. It's just not a great place in terms of distance from my family <laughs> yes I know and that's yeah, everything it is. all right Sarah well good luck with the birth good luck with the book and keep doing what you're doing because you're doing it so well so thank, thank you. you Jess have a great see day. you bye, bye.